outlaws driving their throbbing steel machines. Defiling whatever they touch. We want to be free to ride on the machines without being hassled by the man. Yeah, we don't want nobody telling us what to do. We don't want nobody pushing us around. Welcome everybody to Chopper Profits. I'm your host Mike, and uh, tonight I have uh, Mr. Oliver Jones in studio with me. Uh, Oliver is the uh, CEO, president, head honcho in charge at uh, The Cut Rate, which is uh, a brand that uh, he developed. He's going to be telling us a little bit more about it and uh, also about his life. So, welcome to the show. I'm happy that you could you could come in. Glad to be here. Tell us a little bit, um, just before we get into talking about your life, tell us a little bit about the cut rate and, and just, um, you know, what specifically it is for, for maybe those people who don't know, but I know there's probably a lot listening that do. Uh, let's see, where do we start? Well, I started the brand in 2009. I don't know. It's sort of just as an answer, um, to things that I had done in the past. I mean, I, I've done like several other clothing lines in the past and freelanced for different people and, um, I had a retail store that we sort of did stuff out of, and I don't know. I just the other lines that I've done were more like designed, mm-hmm. and when I just wanted to do a line that was like all U.S. made stuff that you could actually like ride in or actually work in, and mm-hmm. it's like if you you know get it dirty, you just get another one. It's right. not like you know this is super limited, and you know these jeans are six hundred dollars, and it's made from the finest material on earth, like. It's just like a, it's more real yeah. than that. It's just for like, you know, stuff you can wear every day yeah. and not worry about it. Kind of, I mean, there are a lot of white collar, you know, jobs in the world nowadays, but it, it's kind of the, the blue collar where for, um, whether you, whether you ride or, you know, yeah, what have you. I mean, there's always like a cheaper option no matter what. I mean, sure. there's always going to be a Walmart, whatever. I get all that. It's, it's more like this is something that's still designed and thought out and mm-hmm. it has a concept and it has a, you know, a target and all the, the same stuff, but it's just not so, it's just not so like snobby. Yeah. It's just more like, you know, we make what we can, we do what we can. We kind of, you know, like at first we were printing everything ourselves and it's just very hands-on, very like down to earth yeah, as opposed to some of the other stuff. And I would say for anyone who's seen the stuff, I mean, I looked through your catalog and, uh, an accurate description would be not cheesy, you know, because there's a lot of clothing companies that are that either come on the scene or have been on, you know, and by scene I just mean in general out mm-hmm. there, and uh, it seems like they're just another copy of a copy. But your stuff doesn't come across like that at all. I mean, I have a fairly long background in, you know, the apparel industry or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, like I said, this is something that I kind of just wanted to do myself. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really like, you know, this would be a good concept to sell. And, you know, there's so many guys on bikes that we can target this to. It was yeah. nothing like that. It was just like, you know, I it was something I had done all this stuff in the past. And this is something like right now, you know, I, I literally had a store. And then in the back of the store, I had a garage. And mm-hmm. I would 
you know, during the day, go back and forth. And I would like, if I wore nice stuff, it would get greasy. Right. And it's just to turn, you know, I, I don't know. I you don't wanted know. something to kind of bridge that gap. Yeah. It's just something that like, that's where my head was at yeah. at the time. Well, I mean, it's, it still is, but I mean, you know, when I, when in 2009 was, you know, like I said, I had a retail shop and, and it was, that shop was more based on like exclusive and limited stuff and mm-hmm. really hard to find and, and somewhat expensive stuff. Yeah. And I was just sitting in there every day and doing all that for six, seven years. I was like, this isn't real yeah. to me. You know, this is like maybe real to whoever's into this, but sure. like I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I'm, you know, I don't care. It's, <laughs> it's kind of, it's interesting. Cause as, as I would see you as an artist in the regard that some artists will spend years, you know, doing, um, other people's art. And then they, they take that leap at some point where they go, this is, this is me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I've been doing these pieces or I've been making money off of, you know, doing these to stay afloat. Mm-hmm. And now this is really me. And you put that out there and it, and it seems to be doing pretty well for you. <laughs> it's, it's doing okay. I mean, like I said, it's not, it, it's just, it, it's just something I want to do. It's mm-hmm. some, it's not really like, um, I don't know. It's not a huge like money maker for me or anything like mm-hmm. that. It wasn't like, you know, let's blow this out and let's get this in as many stores as we can. Like my stance about the brand in the U.S. is, you know, if you want to carry it, cool. I'll, I'll try to work it out and we can get it in your store. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, no, I don't really approach stores to sell it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do trade shows. I don't really do any of that. It's just sort of like if it fits, it fits. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I have the Japan thing going on. I have quite a large business over there. Mm-hmm. And that's more, I mean, it's sort of, developed into it it started as the same thing and it kind of developed into its own monster on its on, by itself and now i have 50 something stores there that sell it wow um and that's like the bulk of the business but that is its own business right you know what i mean like the the u.s stuff and the japan stuff is at this point completely separate um you were saying uh just before we started recording about how you know, the, the stuff that's for sale in the U.S. is made in the U.S., and then the stuff that's in, for sale in Japan uh, is made in Japan. Correct, yeah. Um, I mean, originally, the, the part of the concept, too, was, you know, all U.S. made, as much locally made as I could. Mm-hmm. I was still in Baltimore then. So try to get – we did all the printing ourselves. I mean, I tried to get all the cut and sew done as local as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and as Japan picked up on the stuff, it was like, we need more. We need more. We need more. And I'm like, there's only – a handful of places that make stuff here. There's not even a lot in the U S I mean, there's really not a whole lot of production in the U S comparatively mm-hmm. to overseas. Um, and so I was just kind of like at a, at a hitting a wall as in terms of like how much stuff I could even produce or right. like, you know, Japan has quality standards that are like ridiculous. So like getting the stuff made here on time at the right price on schedule and then getting it over and being meeting their schedule, it just turned to be like, too much yeah so as we kind of went on season to season year to year okay we'll we'll do a few things in in japan for japan and then we'll still like continue to ship all the other goods there and then the the, the demand just kept growing Mm -hmm. so it was like all right well let's stop beating our head against the wall and we'll just switch all the japan production to japan for japan and awesome. I don't try to bring any of that stuff here because just it's just too expensive. Exporting and, and all yeah, that stuff, yeah. It's just too much. Yeah. The stuff I do here in the U.S. is primarily like printable stuff. It's tees, hoodies. Mm-hmm. I do cut and sew flannels. I do leather gloves. Um, 
accessories, hats, you know, that kind of stuff. But, I mean, that's generally what most people wear on a day-to-day basis here. Right. Japan tends to be a lot more, you know, in even in the biker scene or in the, whatever you want to call it, they tend to be more fashion-forward mm-hmm. than we are here. So, I mean, I get to sort of ex- design a little bit more for there, whereas here it's more graphic-based or it's just mostly printables and stuff. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, you know, I just – I. I keep it separate at this point. I mean, it's, I don't, I don't try to like, I don't know. Mix and merge. Yeah. I just, it's just easier to just keep it separate and, you know, do the U S made, U S made thing and support the U S stuff and then do the Japan made and let Japan support Japan and everybody's good. I mean, (laughs) you know, the the quality thing, definitely I push it, uh, you know, as far as we can without, you know, I mean, you can always go to the next level and that's when prices start to get, just in my opinion ridiculous yeah uh i mean i do as much as we can with what we have what we can mm-hmm. um it's still trying to keep it like at a reasonable level um i mean the u.s stuff you know i don't like even these the stuff like the tees and stuff we print here i print on all like 100 percent u.s made shirts i don't mm-hmm. like print on you know, Chinese made shirts and rip the tags out and put made in the U S like <laughs> put your own brand, tags like in. a lot of other people do. Right. I mean, like I, you know what I mean? It, they, they cost more, but that's just sort of like, that was my, that was my thing. It's part you know of your I mean? vision. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I'm not doing it just to say, Oh, it's made in the U S mm-hmm. like, look how cool it is. Right. I'm doing it because <laughs> like, you know, I support stuff that's made in the U S I mm-hmm. want, I want to support, my friends, I want to support like people in the scene. I want to support our local economies. I mm. want to, you know, support other people so that we can all grow. Right. So let's, let's rewind a little bit. Okay. Let's rewind to you. Uh, as a child growing up, uh, you can pick the age that you want to start out at. Um, but what was, what was life like in uh, the Jones household? Well, I mean, I, I grew up in Baltimore, um, both my parents had their own businesses and they were, you know, my, my mom was a hairstylist. My dad does basically more or less sort of like interior design kind of deal, but lighting specific. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they both were artistic or design oriented, you know, uh, professions that they did. So, I mean, I grew up around a cast of characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, like my, you know, the people that they partied with and like that were I was around were like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the when I look back at it now, I feel like the people that I grew up around are sort of like my friends and the people that I'm around now, like hmm. sort of larger than life personas, a lot yeah, of yeah. them and, you know, the cool guys or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a little, you know, from being really young, I was sort of, I'm an only child. So I was, they were always busy and off and doing their thing and mm-hmm. still sort of like partying or whatever they did and i was by myself Hmm. most of the time or you know at my grandmother's house or a friend's house or my aunt's house so i kind of grew up you know we had our house but i kind of grew up in three or four different areas of the city like Mm -hmm. i I had groups of friends here and i had groups of friends here because every couple days i'd stay a few days here or stay a weekend over here and so i don't know i kind of i i saw a lot of stuff and I, i grew up around a a crazy diverse, you know, group of people. If, I mean, if that's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. What, um, so what do you, how do you think that affected you? Well, um, I mean, 
independence, I guess, would be the main thing. I mean, I like I said, I you know, there'd be times Baltimore is not a really like a great place. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, forever whoever hasn't been there, it's not a great place. I mean, it's better now than it was. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even as a even as a fairly young child, it would be like you know, I, I, I grew up skateboarding, mm-hmm. you know, from the time I was five or six years old, you know, when I was in grade school, it's like, Hey, I'm getting on the bus and I'll see you later. Yeah. I'm going to go skate downtown or I'm going to go wherever and I'll see you later. Or, Hey, you know, I'm somewhere far away and it's like nighttime. Can you come pick me up? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know how I got here or <laughs> I jumped on the train and I ended up in DC. Right. And, uh, you know, whatever. But so I don't know the independence thing. I just sort of like always kind of just went on my own and did my own thing mm-hmm. and didn't really, it didn't seem weird. You know, I never, I don't know. I mean, I guess I made the right choices or something, but I, I don't know. I just kind of went off on my own and just was on my own speed on my own pace. So it gave you kind of, it, it, it solidified in you independence, uh, number one. And, um, it, it seems like, well, I, I guess I would ask this question. So having been back to Baltimore, you know, recently, mm-hmm. would you, how would you say is Baltimore the same or different than it was when you were growing up? I mean, there's, Baltimore is like a big, small town. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like not a lot of people move to Baltimore. Most of them move out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the people that are around there nine times out of 10 grew up there. Hmm. And so there's like, you know, the, the neighborhoods and the, the sort of Baltimore specific things are what really like stand out. Mm -hmm. And there's still, there's a ton of that. I mean, the city's grown, like it's gotten better in certain areas. I mean, it's gotten worse in certain areas, but I mean, overall, I think it's better. Um, but I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's to me, it's always the same. Yeah. That place never changes. Well, if you had, um, let's say you had a kid that was, you know, six, seven years old, would you let him or her walk out the door and skate and go wherever? Man, I mean, probably, I mean, I don't know. I would be stressed out about it for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I would just have to kind of like let them do it because that's what I did. You know what I mean? But, but definitely like it's, it's, it's not, it's not the best place. Yeah. (laughs) It's not the nicest town. (laughs) Um, so you're, you got into skating, you're skating. Um, what age did that take you? I mean, what age did you skate from? Until do you still skate nowadays? Yeah, I mean, I started uh, five, six years old, like early eighties, eighty three, eighty by eighty four ish, I guess five. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And um, yeah, I mean, I pretty much never stopped. I mean, like through high school, I kind of slowed down a little bit because mm-hmm. I got a car, and you know, that happens to everybody. Chicks became more important, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Than yeah. like that kind of stuff, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I never really stopped. I still skate, you know, I tr- not as much as I would like to, but, you know, maybe once a week, twice a week, something like that. Um, you know, as much as, like, my body will let me do it now, right. that kind of deal. But, yeah, I mean, I like, skateboarding is just, I don't know, dude, once you, if you if you skate that long and, like, I mean, to say that it was my life is an, is an understatement. Yeah. Like, you can't never not be a skater. Yeah. If you've done it, you know, even like I, I could not skate for two years, mm-hmm. not even, but I'll own a board. And even if I didn't step on it for two years, like in my mind, like, yeah, I'm still a skater. Still like I still like, 
I don't know. It's and just, it probably wouldn't take you very long stepping back on the board, even after being away from it. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like I, I, I've said it before. It's like skating is like walking. Yeah. It's like I don't know, man. It's like not even. You know, you lose tricks and all that kind of stuff, but sure. I don't know. It's just such a natural thing at this point in my life that it's like, I don't know. I don't even think about it in a in a in a way like maybe I used to think about it because it's just so ingrained. Yeah, that makes sense. Know. What um, what? I guess how did how did skateboarding carry you, or or where I should phrase this question differently? From being a little kid growing up, being independent. Um, was there ever a point, um, maybe when you got a little bit older, were you into other things? Did you, you know, was there sports or was it always skating? And then, um, in addition to that question, take us through your years, like up through high school and then kind of deciding what you're going to do with your life after high school. Um, mostly, you know, it was skating Mm -hmm. every, it was, that was it really. Like, I mean, you know, I, played little league baseball because like i don't know i guess my parents probably made me or something but mm-hmm. like even then i was like uh i'm up again great uh, whatever <laughs> like I, I you know i couldn't i would like skate to little league practice skate home mm-hmm. i didn't give a shit about it yeah you know what i mean and basically went you know skateboarding and then i started snowboarding pretty early on as that came like, you know, that even mid eighties okay. in that. So, I mean, that became like the, the winter activity. It was like skateboarding, you know, nine months out of the year and snowboarding <laughs> the rest of the, you know, when, when you could. Yeah. And then like, as I got into high school, as I mean, even as I got a middle school and high school, um, this, I still skated, skating kind of maybe like slowed down a little bit. Snowboarding maybe picked up a little bit. Mm hmm started like competing and doing some stuff like that um the you know i i basically i was in high school and that's kind of really i skateboarded snowboarded and like partied Mm -hmm. that's pretty much it i mean and like went out to clubs and you know at a at a young age i started like maybe 14 ish Mm -hmm. i started like going out friday night saturday night thursday friday saturday sometimes sunday yeah uh, probably until I don't know mid late twenties. I didn't like every. I don't know. I just I I was around like a lot of like clubs and DJs and all that kind of stuff. Um, Tell us for all the West Coast folks, you know, because clubs out here are way different than clubs in in Maryland and also in DC. I mean, it's, I would say there's definitely a difference between the East Coast club scene and the West Coast club scene. What was that like? I mean, being a young kid and being exposed to that. Well, like I said, I mean, I kind of grew up around, you know, my, I don't know. I I grew up around the previous generation of that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, you know, I don't, I, I just, I remember as a kid, we'd get like club flyers, like at our house, like we were on like mailing lists mm-hmm. for that kind of stuff. So like, I don't know, it's just pretty normal. And then like, I, you know, my mom uh, had a hair salon and she did hair. So like all her apprentices were like 18, 20, mm-hmm. 21. So it was like, those were my babysitters when I was, you know, in grade school or whatever. So Stoked. It was like, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like, you know, I would babysat them. Yeah. As, you know, like, hey, um, yeah, I'm going skating and uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Or whatever. And they're getting paid. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, let's, whatever. It was kind of, I knew it was fun. I didn't really, I don't think I really got into any like troubled trouble, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I started going out to clubs and stuff a lot as a, at a really young age, I guess. Were you, were you going there to, you know, just hang out, listen to music, dance? Or it was, was it kind of the scene then, like, um, like, you know, if you, if you skated mm-hmm. or you wrote graffiti or you were like uh, punk or it's mm-hmm. like kind of like everybody, it wasn't so segregated like it is now. It was like right. kind of like everybody went to this club on Thursday and then like everybody went to here on Friday or Saturday, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I was just kind of like on the scene more, more than anything else. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I mean, I was sort of like always into art and I don't know, just being around like a diverse mixed group of people. Well, take us to the, take us to the point where, um, cause you do, you ride motorcycles. Yeah. Um, at what point did you get interested in these machines? Well, I mean, I've always, I mean, I remember even like at a young age, like I definitely always had an interest in motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Never had one. Grew up in the city, so like it didn't. I didn't really have the opportunity to have a dirt bike or right. ride any of that kind of stuff. No one in my family like rides motorcycles at all. Hmm. Like I have one cousin who, you know, rides bikes. That's it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I was around it like you know when I was out. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, you know, like. There'd just you know, there'd be bikers around, or whatever. and I always had like an interest in it. Mm-hmm. I got more involved in like cars, you know, bicycles, skate, like anything. I just always had like a mechanical. Like if you can mess with it, mm-hmm. if you can like you know hot rod it, like that's what I'm into. I don't care what it is, you know, like. If it's a lawnmower, like I want it to be the fastest lawnmower. <laughs> nice. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know. Um, you had you had an interest to to it seems like to see how things work. And yeah. To make them either Absol- better. Or, I pretty I, much take things like I don't read instructions at all. Yeah. I throw those out and I just like take it apart first before anything else. Sounds familiar. Yeah. I think a, I <laughs> honestly I think a lot of the people that are into bikes and especially you know, custom bikes or choppers or whatever are sort of like-minded more yeah. or less. I mean, I think there's a personality type that sort of runs through yeah. most of those people that probably is the same. It's interesting. Cause I, in what I've observed is that it's a lot like a, um, what I think is a classic hacker mentality. You know, it's like you see something and you go, okay, I know that it's working or maybe it's not working, but I, I see what it is and I want to know what makes it work. And so you tear it apart and mm-hmm. you figure out how it works and then you, hopefully can put it back together mm-hmm. and if you don't then you figure out how to put it back together exactly it's a learning learning either way yeah um but i really didn't you know i did the car thing like all through high school and like older cars new cars you know, like import stuff that okay. was like you know mid 90s so like that tuner was stuff like, yeah. yeah that was it for you know a 16 17 18 year old like that was like and, and again no one even no one in my family like is even yeah like a car person. Like, I don't even know where any of this came from <laughs> for me, but like I had no experience. Like, you know, I don't really have that. I don't have the typical like dad son relationship with my father. I and mean, we mm-hmm. never, I don't, I don't think we've done anything together hmm. ever. Like no kind of like, let's build something together. or yeah. Let's like, you know, 
go play catch. Like we don't, that's just not what it was. Hmm. So I don't know where the, the car and the mechanic, all that came from really. Um, but when I, long story short, I was into cars. Mm-hmm. Um, that car thing sort of led me to Japan. Okay. Um, via a whole bunch of other stuff, but that led me there. I ended up moving there, living there, which now sort of like, I don't know, being there, um, having a car was out of the question Yeah, because whatever. Um, is it because it's cost prohibitive? Yeah. Cost prohibitive and just space and like I'm 20 and I got no money. A bike on the other hand was like a little more feasible. Mm -hmm. It was still something like I saw the, I mean, there's way more bikes there, I think on the street. Um, so I would see bikes every day and like, man, I really have an urge to mess with something. I don't have a car anymore. Yeah. All I have is, you know, like a bicycle, a BMX bike or something. Mm-hmm. Like I just had that urge still. So I kind of, that's what sort of led me to it. Okay. Um, what was, I mean, I, I kind of want to know more about you. You basically picked up here and moved to Japan. How gnarly is that? Did you speak Japanese? Did you? Um man it's it's such a it's such a crazy long story um long story short i worked at some car shops mm-hmm. i left those car shops i kind of started my own whatever you want to call it like car garage mm-hmm. like i was doing engine swaps for people mm-hmm. and whatever tuning people's cars and that kind of stuff uh the and that was all like just in a little garage mm-hmm. that led me to california where a lot of the stuff was coming from mm-hmm. which led me to Japan where the stuff was originally coming from. So I'm like, all right, well I'll go to California and then I'm going to go to Japan for the show and I'll like circumvent all these like distributors and stuff. And I'll just make my own connections Hmm. out there for like getting used parts or getting engines or whatever. There's that independence. Like just, (laughs) I I just thought like, Oh yeah, I'll just go out there and I'll just, you know, make it happen. Yeah. It'll just, it'll just work. No problem. Wow. So I went out there for the show. Um, was like my mind was blown like way more than I even thought. And then um aside from the show, just seeing Tokyo and just yeah. being around and just like I met like two people and they're like, oh, check this out. Go over here. And I was like, you know, this is crazy. This place is insane. <laughs> yeah. All I, all I could think was just like, hey, I, I need to, I need to live here <laughs> for whatever. So, I mean, that was like in January by June, I was living there by myself. Wow. I, I went home and I was, uh, I was in art school, like doing design stuff and mm-hmm. photography. And, uh, I went home and I was like, yeah, I'm quitting school. <laughs> Parents weren't too psyched about that, but I was right. like, they, again, the independence, they kind of already know me. Like if I said I'm quitting, there's pretty much nothing that they can yeah. do to persuade me. So they're like, well, all right. He's going to do what he's going to do. Exactly. Good luck. <laughs> um, I sold my car. I sold everything I had, tools, any kind of like – everything I had basically I sold. Mm-hmm. Um, moved over there sort of through an odd series of circumstances, like got an apartment, got a phone, got set up, hmm. got a job for a little while. Um, but kind of immediately when I moved over there, I sort of fell into doing some freelance design work okay. for other brands at the time. Hmm. Um, I just made friends via being out and about. So you didn't have to actually like go interview for 
No, no. I mean, I, I, I literally like I moved over there. I didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a skateboard and a BMX bike that I bought <laughs> just so to tra- just to like travel on. And again, did you speak Japanese? None. Wow. I didn't speak anything. Um, and I sort of just made friends from just hanging out, like going. Not even there wasn't really a skate park, but just skating mm-hmm. or like riding bikes. Or I went to a bike shop and uh, to like work on my bike and kind of made friends with some of the guys there. They introduced me to these other friends. They introduced me to their friends who had clothing brands and had stores. And then from just hanging out, they're like, oh, well, you went to design school. Like, you know, I would always be sketching and doing stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, do some, do some designs. We'll, we can pay you. And I was like, yeah. I could do use some money. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's do it. So, uh, yeah, I did some of that. Made a couple bucks. And I was like, yeah, I could definitely um, – I could see this. I could kind of see the thing starting to align. Yeah. Um, I got hooked up with like a job for a visa and like sort of like got the visa and then quit immediately. (laughs) Um, And just that was it. I was sort of like, all right, I'm either going to keep this job and Mm -hmm. like have no money at all. Like $10 at the end of the month was all I had left after I paid rent. Wow. And I was like, okay, I can do this or I can quit this job. And just try this design thing, you know, this freelance thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. My, I at that point I was like, oh, I'm gonna start my own t-shirt line. You know what I mean? And like, I'll do that. You know? Oh, sure, I'll just do it. Right? You know, <laughs> I'm just... sitting here. I'm thinking like, that is it's so ambitious because like I just moved here. I don't. I met a few people. Like I don't have any money, but I have my skills. Obviously, like I can design, and I'm going to introduce this brand of shirts or whatever into yeah. an already probably flooded market. Yeah. That's night. <laughs> so it's, awesome. it's naive. <laughs> it's to say the least, but I just, you know, yeah, in my mind, like, Oh yeah, I'll just do that. that that'll totally work. Um, and I guess in a way it sort of did. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I started this t-shirt line. My friends sort of like helped me distribute it to like mm-hmm. some of the shops that they had. And I got other shops and then like, Again, just from being around, meeting these people, they introduced me to these magazine people and these other brands and like kind of got some more jobs and got some press out of it. And Mm -hmm. and it sort of like got kind of bigger than I could even really handle. Like, I mean, I was at that point learning Japanese was like being able to speak and like, but I mean, I had like a one, literally like a one room apartment that's half the size of where we're we're sitting right now, if that. And I have, which is like probably what twelve by. I had like a one car garage (laughs) size apartment, if not smaller. Yeah. Um, Japanese are very efficient with their space. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) too efficient for my taste. (laughs) But I mean, I you know I'm like distributing. I'm like shipping stuff out of my apartment where I'm living. I have boxes stacked to the ceiling of like blank shirts and like (laughs) all this crazy nonsense. Um, So yeah, I just I mean it kind of worked out and it and it took me to another you know fork in the road and that took me to another fork in the road mm-hmm. and i just kind of kept going and your uh, japanese improved yeah yeah at that point you know i mean i had our i had that at that point i was there for three years okay wow this is now three years later i'm established i have 15 20 stores that i sell to like on, wow. on a seasonal basis i have a, a line that i do every season mm-hmm. it's now like not just t-shirts it's like we're making like button ups and bags mm-hmm. and 
kind of what I, I mean. That's incredible, man. Like I, I'm sure you realize this, but I mean that's a really incredible success story. You know, and when I say success, like everybody defines success differently, but um, to set a goal and to reach that goal, that's I mean I would define that as success. Like you, the status of that goal was successful, but you kind of set you. you you put the car before the horse in that you just move there and then you set a goal and then you blew that out of the water. I guess, I mean, I tried to not even set a goal really. Right. I mean, I almost like, I guess technically I kind of did initially set a goal, but I don't know, man. I just sort of like did it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really, there's, there's so many little ins and outs and there's so many (laughs) little things that happened along the way that like without telling you the whole entire story, it's obviously not all an up and up success story. No. There's a lot of downs no, and no, things no. that happened. There was happened. a ton, tons of downs. Yeah, uh, but it was just, I don't know, just like I'm gonna do it. I don't. I mean, like at this point, I sold everything I had. Yeah. What like you know? What's the worst that thing that can happen? Right. Because I'm broke here and I go home to nothing. I'm still yeah. broke. So whatever. I was just like, I'll just do it. I, I might wind up a bum on the streets of Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know may or may not be bad. I don't know. Um, plus when you're 20, 21, 22, yeah. you know, who cares? Yeah. You know, <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll sleep outside tonight. Yeah. You know, I'll, I, when I first went there, man, I mean, like I didn't have a place to go. Yeah. Like I had a place for the first month and then the next four months, three months I didn't. Wow. Like I, you know, and it's not like here, like, Oh, you mind if I crash on your couch? It's yeah. not really that open there. It's like a little more uptight. Yeah. So like a little more formal. Yeah. Finding <laughs> places to stay and like, okay, I don't really have a place to stay. So I'll just stay out Yeah. until six, seven in the morning when I can then go somewhere and maybe take a shower Yeah. or wherever I have my stuff kind of stashed at, I could like go grab a change of clothes for the next two days that I'm going to be just out. Yeah. So it was like a lot of that for the first you know, and again, when you're 20, 21, 22, like no big deal. Who cares? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're having fun. Yeah. It's not until we hit about like, you know, mid thirties, almost 40. And you're like, you know, I'm really not going to stay awake all night. Yeah. <laughs> I need a yeah. place to sleep. Yeah. Um, that, that's really awesome. What's the name? What was the name of the city that was it in Tokyo? Yeah. You stayed yeah. In? Okay. I lived, uh, I live right in the middle of Tokyo, right in wow. like the heart of the heart of the heart of everything. That's incredible. Yeah. It was it was it was crazy to say the least. I've seen some wild stuff. So after being there for obviously a couple of years, then you decide to come back to. Yeah, uh, well, three years of living there, non you know straight through three years, and mm-hmm. then I was basically like, all right, I think I'm gonna die if I live here any longer. Hmm. Like I pretty much partied out. Um, not I'm like still broke mm-hmm. you know what i mean like um because you know i would make some money with the clothes and then like okay yeah next season i gotta go like do denim or yeah. i have to like i just kept like you know we just kind of like got in the green and then i'm like okay yeah let's let's push it one step further yeah and make like you know whatever like i don't even know what i was thinking it like, takes more money to do yeah, that exactly like yeah. the bigger it grows the more money you need to feed it Right. Which was always the problem. So I was just like not eating well, not sleeping well, (laughs) like party, like staying out way too much. Mm -hmm. Like just, it was just running me down. And I was just like, all right. And it was like, I want to have a bike. 
Oh, yeah. I'd like to have a car again. Mm, I'd like to have more space. Right. You know what I mean? So I thought, okay, well, I met somebody there who um, I had talked to about maybe like, all right, here's what we, we can do. I'll design this brand and you can like take care of the Japanese side of distributing it or production. Mm-hmm. So we kind of came to an agreement. I moved back from Tokyo to New York City. Okay. Um, lived in New York for about a year. Um, but within that year was still like two months here, two months there, back and forth, getting the new deal with this guy straightened out. Um, kept going with this brand. He sort of like, that went on for four years, I guess, that we did that. And mm-hmm. um, same thing. I mean, it grew and grew and grew. And it was great. I mean, like, I would go there every few months. He would take care of everything in Japan. I would just do the designs and be the creative side of it. That's awesome. Um, Until he decided (laughs) he needed more money. And (laughs) he he spent, you know, it was like, while I wasn't there, Mm -hmm. things started to not get done. And drinks were bought for the whole bar. (laughs) And, you know, it was like kind of a classic whatever story. Um, So that thing ended just about the time i mean i moved out of new york because i realized new york was exactly like tokyo equally as expensive yeah. equally as expensive no space uh right. you know so i moved from new york back to baltimore in the hopes of you know buying a house or you know getting a car again and just having yeah. a little more space to spread out um which i did the brand was going really well at that time so i was able to like Locked down a building, mm-hmm. uh, got a car, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and did that, f- that was within that four years. Um, just about the time that the guy started really screwing around and, mm-hmm. and things started falling apart with that, um, I decided I'm going to open a retail store in the space that I had bought, which was AKA my house. Okay. It was, it's a house slash apartment. Like I mean, a, it's a storefront slash apartment. Yeah. So, I, okay, cool. I have a, I have a storefront here. Uh, I do my own line. Mm-hmm. I have all my friends that do lines. Why not? Let's just not those type of lines, but actually clothing lines. Those two, but yeah, um, <laughs> maybe those kinds of lines. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was like, all right, well, let's just do it. Same yeah. same sort of attitude. Like, let's just open a store. So I opened a store in two thousand six. Yeah, 2006 in Baltimore mm-hmm. um, in in the hopes that, like, okay, this will just be sort of an office workspace. Mm-hmm. And, like, if something comes out of it, cool. If not, I live here. Yeah. No big deal. Well, it immediately, like, got crazy. Took That's off. Um, became, like, a full-time, more than a full-time thing. I mean, like, so much so that, like, I had to kind of take a break from doing freelance and mm-hmm. doing my own line that had to just stop and just wow. focus on the store getting the store the store kind of got crazy like we it, it just got like a lot of recognition and a lot of like press and a lot of like just it just became like a month like a handful mm-hmm. really fast and we're and mixed in that i mean you're talking like foot traffic like people coming in and like oh, yeah. buying stuff and, oh yeah foot wow. traffic and you know web stuff and yeah. magazines and this and that and just it kind of was like a whirlwind yeah um but in in a good way, I suppose. Um, did that, you know, and the store was, um, I kind of 
did the store like a brand. Mm-hmm. Like I basically, you know, the artistic and creative side of me said like I, you know, I wanted to. I saw the model that I saw in Japan. Like their mm-hmm. stores are built out crazy and they're they're great. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do this store, and every six months, like every fall winter season, mm-hmm. we're going to do a theme. Like the store is going to be like built out this way. Like mm-hmm. whatever the theme is going to be, we're going to buy goods. We're going to buy the the goods that we're going to sell in the store are going to be based around this theme. All the lookbooks, all the graphics, all the everything's going to be based around this theme. Mm-hmm. And then we'll build it out ourselves. So we do that. And then six months later, change the theme, rip down the whole store. Do it again. Rebuild it. I mean, like build walls. Yeah. New lighting, new graphics, new displays, new brands, new everything. So kind of did it like seasonally like that. Mm-hmm. Um and that got like a lot of attention from a lot yeah. of people and it, it got like I said, it just and every season like let's go harder. Yeah. Let's spend more money <laughs> further, on, faster, yeah, harder. Exactly. It's just I guess I can't do it any other way than that, but yeah. let's just keep going. <laughs> so it just kept going and going and going. Um I don't know. I guess it sort of got to the point where I was like, Man, I need to take a break. Or I need. I would just really want to get back to um, being able to like do my uh, design stuff more, and yeah. you know, like I didn't really have a chance, you know, running the store every day. I just didn't have a chance to really do that. That's yeah. where the cut rate stuff came in. Okay, that was like, you know, I, I need a. I need to step back and like be more grounded, and this yeah. is, and that's. I had already been into the bike thing for for a while at that point. I was going to ask you when you moved back. Was it when you? bought your place in Baltimore that you actually got your car or your bike? Yeah, I started, um, you know, I had a car, um, before I had a bike. And then like, as I just got settled and got everything straight, um, that's when, you know, I was into bikes and skateboards still. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know the motorcycle things sort of, I don't know, a natural progression from cars to, to bikes, to skateboards and motorcycles. Like, I don't know. It just, it's all, it's all a natural, in my mind anyway, it's a natural progression. It is. It's like a bicycle and a car combined. Yeah. You know, the two things that I like. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I I never even like had a bike before. I never mm -hmm. even rode a bike before, but I mean, I mean, I know the mechanics of them because from the car stuff and I know bicycle riding from bicycle riding. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to get a bike. Keep upright, pedal hard. Pretty much. So I... (laughs) Bought, so, a, bought a bike. And, what was the first bike that you bought? Um, well, the first bike that I bought was actually a Yamaha. It was a it was a TW two hundred. Okay, uh, which is like, you know, pretty pretty lame actually. Um, <laughs> but it it went well. The reason I did that is because when I was living in Japan, that was like in the early two thousands, late nineties. That was like there were so many of those custom bikes around. I mean, they're like. I don't know. It's not a chopper per se. I mean, right. It's more like a street tracker sort of, I don't know, uh, street tracker slash hill climber slash mm-hmm. like, I don't know, basically like a street tracker sort of deal. Um, and I saw those things and I was like, those are cool. It just looks crazy. The big fat tires, the knobby mm-hmm. tires, like the stretch swing arm thing. Like it's crazy. Uh, but I knew, like as soon as I saw them, I already knew in my mind this 10 years before, like, what I want to do. If I built one, I'm, I would do it like this, like mm-hmm. that, like this, like this. So I had this blueprint in my mind already before I even had the bike. 
you know, fast forward now, like seven, eight years later, okay, I got enough money. I got a place to work on it. Yeah. I'm like here living, not moving around, got the bike first night, tore it apart <laughs> and then built the bike that I had already had in my mind seven years before that. That's awesome. So, I mean, with during the time that I was building that bike, I bought another excess street tracker and started building that. And okay. then I bought a Sportster and then built that. And so it just sort of took baby steps, yeah. I guess. Seems like it. It seems yeah. like you, I mean, I'm, I'm being facetious, but it seems like you bought them like you got one and you were like, you got that taste and you're like, oh, I'm going to do this one now. Oh, yeah. And then you got the taste and then you got like, you just quick, quicker and quicker. Yeah, there's no... um there's no sort of middle ground with it's yeah. either fully on or fully off. <laughs> I know that well. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I don't drink or smoke or or anything. And because um, if you did, you'd it, be I'm, always drunk and you'd be smoking cartons of cigarettes. It's I'm a junkie <laughs> waiting to happen. Yeah, I hear you. And uh, yeah, I so I I just I basically. Uh, I mean, the first bike I even rode mm-hmm. is a full like frame off everything, motor apart custom build i don't know wow i don't e- i don't even know what i was doing i mean i really didn't know what i was doing i mean i knew basic yeah you know mechanics stuff um but nothing really motorcycle specific and like metal fab stuff not even really that that much i never went to like shop i never had shop class in school right. i never went to votech school i never did any of that it was just sort of like well let's just try it let's figure it out let's just do it yeah so yeah and then it you know, I'd start a new build before the first one was finished. And before that one was finished, I'd start another one. And then yeah. it's just like, before I know it, it's like, well, I've built seven bikes already. Like, <laughs> I, I don't even know how this has happened. But I need to go find six friends who can ride. Pretty much. Like, I, you know, I get it, get finish it, ride it a little bit, like sell it to buy the next, the next bike. One, yeah. And then we're finished the previous one or whatever. So, it, yeah, it just, What's, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people that are probably listening to this are the same. Yeah. Like, you know. They got whatever they could afford first, yep, and then tore it apart, and were like, "Okay, I get this." Yeah, and then like, "Okay, let's take the next step up, let's tear that apart and redo it, and then let's just keep going up, parlay that into something bigger, better." Yeah, I think that's I think that's the common progression. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, it's really what separates uh, the folks from who just buy the bike and take it to someone so that they customize it, versus you know someone who gets it and they go. I want to make this thing look this way, you mm-hmm. know, just like you did bring it in the garage and tear it apart and yep. build it up. Yeah. Um, what, what's your favorite bike that you've built? Uh, or I should say, let me rephrase that. What's the fa- What's your most favorite bike that you've ridden and owned? I mean, the favorite bike that I've probably ridden, probably my Ninja ZX 10 R hmm. just because I mean, I don't have – I like – I mean, I think I like Harleys more than anything else, mm-hmm. but I like everything. True I mean, motorcycle nothing, enthusiast. Yeah, I, I like – I can see the value in pretty much any bike. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you truly like to ride a motorcycle, mm-hmm. that bike is like – it's faster than you can ever want to go. It stops faster than you can ever want to stop. It handles better than anything. I mean, it's like – it's a bike that's made for – riding and mm-hmm. hard you know what i mean so that's probably the most fun bike i've ever ridden just because like 
I don't know. I've, like, all, I've always I've ridden other bikes, and it's like, man, this is great. I wish it was a little faster, or I yeah. wish these brakes were a little better, or <laughs> I wish it turned a little bit better. Never on that bike. Like, mm. you just can't even push that bike to close to its limits. Wow. So that's the most fun to ride. The fun, the best, oof, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I don't know. Every Every bike that I build seems like it's like, I like that one more than the last yeah. one kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I've built and never even like finished. It never really came to fruition. Mm-hmm. I like, but that would, that would have been a really cool bike if <laughs> yeah. I didn't, if I didn't like get That's over awesome. it too quick or if I didn't sell it to like buy something else or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I can't really say what my favorite, like that I built is. Um, but I, I mean, I've, I've had a ton of bikes at this point. Well, I think it's pretty apparent. You love motorcycles. You know, they all have specific uses, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. and some have multiple uses, but... Absolutely. That's, uh, yeah, I think that's a true motorcycle enthusiast is someone... It doesn't matter what brand or style bike. It's like that the person can see um, the use for that bike and be able to just ride it and have a good time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's definitely some that I like more than others, and mm-hmm. there's ones that I would much rather ride every day than others. But, yeah, I mean, they're... They're all fun for something. What's, you know what I mean? And what's the current bike that you're riding now? Uh, right now, I've got a uh, '84 FXRT. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a KTM 690 Duke, and uh, what else? A couple others that are all apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got a '53 Pan that's apart, and I've got another FXR that's apart, and I've got a shovel that's apart. I've just sold three bikes last month, so I'm wow. sort of like thinned out a little bit. But um, <laughs> I usually keep a couple. Yeah, you know what I mean, like uh, something that I can ride really fast and really fun, or something to commute on. Mm-hmm. And then I'll keep like a chopper that's like you know good for that. And I'll mm-hmm. some I don't know. I just try to keep a couple different bikes that are all have their sort of specific purposes or you never know when friends are going to come into town that that's true too (laughs) yes hey you got anything i can ride sure um well let me let me ask you this um i think we've covered a good deal of your life you know from um from childhood to you know standing on your own truth like truly standing on your own um out of your life experience thus far what's the worst experience that you've had um you know, and again, some people uh, that I ask this question to say, oh, it's, you know, my divorce or I lost a, a good friend or something like that. Or, you know, it could be something um, more surface. You know, it just depends on how uh, how deep you want to be. Mm. The worst experience. <clears throat> I don't even know if, I mean, I don't, there's nothing really like traumatic or anything per se. I mean, the worst single thing that like, you know, if I could go back and redo something Mm -hmm. like pretty much, uh, you know, when I was living in Japan, I was there. Um, and like I said, I kind of had to like maybe fudge some stuff and like, (laughs) kind of like flim flam a little bit to be able to stay there and whatever else. Uh, so there was a kind of a point where I kind of couldn't leave. Mm. Like I, it was maybe a little sketchy for me to like try to leave and come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I grew up like I spent a huge majority of my time at my grandmother's house. 
Um, and as my grandfather passed away, it was just her. I would take her shopping every week. Like we were pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was there, she passed away mm. and I couldn't get back for the funeral or anything. And yeah. like, that's probably, yeah, I mean, really to this point, the only thing that I would really like, damn, if I could go back, like do over, I would more than likely do that over. Yeah. But anything else, I, mean, I don't really have any regrets. I mean, like, Everything is just a road to something else. Sure. Yeah, I think our experiences, you know, obviously make us who we are, mm-hmm. um, or can can help make us who we are. Mm-hmm. Um. So, converse to that. Um, maybe what's the best thing that you've experienced to date? Uh, situation. Uh, you know, it could be anything. Well, I mean, I, I would say probably the the literally the flip side of that would be going to japan Hmm. for the first time just saying like you know i'm going or or i'm moving or whatever whatever that wherever that change occurred i don't know if it was the it was probably the first time i even went there but i think had i not done that like it's just opened up it's just been like opportunity after after opportunity after opportunity and just like meeting people there that I probably wouldn't have met here, right. like be- meeting people from the U.S. there that I probably would have never met here. Hmm. Um, just opening my eyes to like the whole rest of the world. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't know, man. Just that whole, just taking that leap, I guess, was probably the best thing. I mean, I, I would probably have like you know an eighteen-year-old kid. Hmm. or something like that and be like working a job that i hate and right not doing any i don't who knows you know what i mean who knows what would happen but for sure i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing now yeah and i'm pretty psyched to be doing what i'm doing so that would be the probably the biggest thing i'm thankful for or whatever you know best experience best experience yeah Yeah, probably be taking that leap um well uh, we've been talking, obviously, you've been listening to this podcast from the beginning. It's not a radio show, so you, you, you hand-clicked and picked listening to this podcast. We've been listening to Oliver Jones. Um, he uh, is better known as The Cut Rate on Instagram. Uh, you can find him at The Cut Rate. Uh, you can also um, check out uh, his brand, The Cut Rate, at uh, thecutrate.com. It sounds like you really, I mean, you designed something that has functional, practical use. It's a uh, functional wear for people who do stuff. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's like I said, it's not really anything special per yeah. se. I mean, it's just, um, you know, I just hope that it's for like-minded people that are like sort of just do it kind of people. You know what I mean? Not to yeah. not to use the shoe brands <laughs> phrase, but <laughs> like just do it. Just, yeah. you know what I mean? Like don't even think about it. Don't even like just do it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, you know, if you fail, who cares? Do it again. Do it a different way. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot and uh, um, ask you if there's anything that you want to say uh, in Japanese to anyone who may be listening to the podcast from Japan, because I'm sure they will. Uh, man. <laughs> uh, well, uh, what, can, what will be a good thing to say? Yoroshiku. That's just like a. That's that's pretty much it. That's the anyone that's listening will get it. Okay. Anyone not, I don't know. 
too bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, I'm going to try my Japanese out on you because uh, I don't know very much, but doitashimaste uh, yep. for coming on the podcast. No problem. Thank and, you. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I mean, we've we've known of each other for a while, mm-hmm. and to actually get down to uh, sit down and talk with you, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Let me tell you my story. Yeah. Yeah? Oh, you think you're bad? Come on. Show me how bad you are. <laughs> he flat. <laughs> Fight with you. What city was this in? I was Westminster. Mm-hmm. No, well, actually it was Midway City, and he was an Orange County Sheriff. Mm-hmm. And uh, a buddy of mine, we just call him Terry, uh, stood up to him one day, and the cop says, well, you know what, don't let this gun or this badge stop you. If you think you're bad, just come right on. Nice. Man, Terry, we just walked up and just started nailing that sucker. First time, his knees started getting wobbly, and he just went down, and Terry just beat him all the way down to the ground, you know? (laughs) I wonder if he ever gave that... uh... That offer to anybody else after that day? Judge told him not to. <laughs> <laughs> he said they arrested Terry and took him to jail and we got into court and how he had Terry had fifteen witnesses that we were all standing there seeing the whole thing, you know. Yeah. And uh the judge looked at the cops and said, Did you tell him? Not and you you took your badge off and you told him, you know, don't worry about it. Just show me how bad you are. Mm-hmm. Officer said, Yeah. He said, Man, don't you ever do that ever again. <laughs> he said, When you're on duty, you're a cop. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be a boxer? <laughs> Leave the force. Really? Wow. Yeah. I got. I just went down. I think he went out with the first punch and he just. Terry was helping him stand up by hitting him, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't let him fall down. (laughs) 